Welcome back to the White Gray Black Weekly Manga Podcast. My name is Bruce, the producer of the White Gray Black YouTube channel. With me again this week is Gautam. What's up? This is the weekly manga book club where we talk about all the latest currently published Japanese manga. This week we are going to compare and contrast two similarly themed superhero manga, My Hero Academia and The New Vibration Man. We are also going to discuss another new manga which feels like a cross between Chainsaw Man, Tokyo Ghoul, and the Home Depot Garden Center. That's Wild Strawberry by Irei Yonemoto. All that and more manga news and discussion coming right up. So let's talk about this My Hero Academia chapter. Uh, And maybe the chapters are short, so maybe there's less to talk about with the chapter and a little bit more to say about the series in general and where it's going. Um, Let's talk about forgiving, uh, like, mass murder. Maybe we should just start there. That's a good start to a podcast, right? Uh, Yeah. Uh, And, you know, I think it should always be done. We all deserve forgiveness, and we all deserve to love boys. Everyone deserves... 65 chances at not murdering people 70 <laughs> how many people has she killed um I, I i don't know her reasoning is also just bad right like but i mean i i get where Hori's going for like childhood drama being failed by the world her motivations make sense but yeah. i don't think she should be forgiven for being a past yeah. murderer hot yeah, take. so <laughs> i i think that is a uh generally pretty accepted take backing up this is my hero academia chapter 394 uh the sort of brief little summary of this chapter is uh ochako and toga are fighting and ochako calls her cute and says i forgive you for murdering lots of people (laughs) and it's very (laughs) uh yeah i i think what you said is correct i do i think hori horikoshi the author i think he knows I think he understands that there is an angle of I was abused as a child or my upbringing was bad. I think we've seen that a lot, actually, in My Hero Academia. I think that's true with Dobby. I think that's true with Todoroki. I think that's true with Toga. I think that's true with the main bad guy whose name I'm forgetting right now. Um, Shigaraki. Yeah, Shigaraki. Uh, So there's a lot of that. And that's a pretty straightforward bad guy development, right? Um, So I get it. It just doesn't work why do you think it well, doesn't work here for it's you it's because he's he's trying to redeem toga instead of just saying oh here are the motivations for why this character is evil mm-hmm. it is a tragic backstory and i'm sure some of you can relate to that backstory uh but also it doesn't justify any of this any of her actions but hori's trying to justify all of her actions you know uh yeah. Or, or at least it feels that way, you know. It or feels excuse like she them, maybe deserve... is the is the word. Like he's trying to yeah. excuse her actions as opposed to just saying like, "Here's how she is," and yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about that. Like I, I feel like this Toga deserves to be like fucking killed. <laughs> I'll be real. Like she's a mass murdering psychopath. Yeah, uh, and I, I. Like, I feel for her backstory. I, I think it made me connect with the character more. I think all that was good. Mm-hmm. But I fear every time Horikoshi does this, he's like, okay, so they they are also victims that can be saved. It's like, but she killed, like, 
a lot of people. people. Yeah, like starting at age 14 or 15 or whatever, she's killed a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I think it, I think you're right. I think this feels less like, hey, let's explain why this character is the way they are and more like, oh, you have to forgive her, like pity her, feel sorry for her. And it's like, okay, if you showed me all this before she killed people, it would work like that. Maybe, right? You'd be like, oh, no, I feel bad. She's going down the wrong path. She's killing people. But to like watch her essentially for, you know, 250 chat, however long Toga's been in the in the story, like watch yeah. her like murder people on on screen on the pages over and over, <laughs> and then to just be like, yeah, I don't know. It's also weird that like, I think it's also weird that he's trying to do it sort of like in trying to do this forgiveness, feel sorry for me, like in the story more than out of the story. I could kind of understand the like pitiable serial killer. Like, I get it if you're trying to be like, hey you, the reader, should take pity on her, but maybe the, the people inside don't. Um, but the problem is, Ochako is, like, in the story, she knows she's killed all these people. This person has, like, hurt her multiple times. They have fought a couple of times. This person has, like, hurt her friends, has caused this, like, wave of the clones to come and attack all the good guys, has hurt the boy she has a crush on, and she's just, like... You're so cute. I forgive you. It's okay. And it's like no one, it's just unbelievable writing in my opinion. I just do not believe any normal real person would act like that, which maybe is more, um, maybe that's more of an, maybe that's more of an excuse for how poor his writing has been previously in explaining Ochako's anything. <laughs> it's not the a well-developed character. Hori uh, doesn't develop the women at all no. so uh, it, it feels yeah. like everything is out of left field because we don't really know anything about Ochako aside from her liking Deku and yeah we like it's we've been yeah you just said what I was gonna say we know essentially two things about her we know that like her family is poor and she wanted to be a hero to make money and she has a crush on Deku and there is not a whole lot else to know about Ochako because it has not been said it has not been developed so yeah I mean this is just like like you said, it comes out of left field because there's no development for Ochako. I mean, easily the most well-developed female character in the whole series is Toga, I would say. And yeah. I mean, these are the two, probably the two most well-developed characters. And Toga's doing all the heavy lifting when I make that claim. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, it's, yeah, Horikoshi has a problem writing women. Um, he doesn't necessarily have a problem writing everyone. Some reason he sees a girl and just cannot write it nearly as well. That being said... His art is still sick. Uh, this panel here, I thought was awesome. I think this next page, with all the flashback things and the weird like yeah, that was Dark Souls like redead monster attacking, like this is super cool. Like, great design, awesome. Um, yeah. Can, it, can I can I be honest with you? Uh, if you know like the panels where they are kids, I think that mm -hmm. it's effective. Yes, but it just reminds me of Vigilantes, which is just a stronger manga. That yeah. did the same kind of panel execution. Uh, yeah, it did. I, related I, to childhood. Yeah. You reminded me of that. I had forgotten about that. But yeah, this. Yeah. I agree. I think this is effective storytelling in general. I just think there is sort of like it lacks. I'm trying to think. It's a lot of pretty icing on like a paper cutout cake. Like there's no body. There's no substance behind this writing. There's no substance behind the characters or decisions. It's just sort of like good art and kind of like 
emotional moments that come out of nowhere. So, yeah. It's kind of a shame because I think Hori does such a good job conveying emotion and, I don't know, using symbolism just via the art alone that I am kind of bummed that I hate I hate the writing and I find I found this chapter to be like the weakest one in a long time, even though the art was fantastic. I mean, I thought the art in this one was the best in a long time. And I agree with you. I also thought the writing here was the weakest, but that's, you know, it's moved from a two to a 1.8 as far as bad writing. Yeah. It, it truly is one of the great tragedies of modern manga is, is where my hero academia started and where it is now or where it kind of went after it was about halfway over or halfway to where we are now, I guess. Um, but let's talk about, I mean, like, a, a, a beautiful last panel, right? Her crying. Uh, the second to last thing is, like, I also don't get, uh, well, I, one last thing in My Hero Academia, I don't get the whole, like, am I cute thing. I, I think that's just a writing thing of it's not been explained of, like, why is that so important? To be honest, like, I, I don't understand that either. I think it's because everyone yeah. found her scary looking. I think that's why. I guess. Because like, she had a creepy everyone smile. Everyone found her terrifying except for Ochako who finds her cute. I think that's the reason. Yeah. The cute or Ochako is just a really good liar. We don't know. We don't know anything about Ochako. So. <laughs> it, might, it might be. We don't know her kid. She seems honest. But yeah. I can't say for certain. Um, <laughs> I, I like I, okay, I'm positive the cute thing is because, like, everyone sees her as a monster. And mm-hmm. Ochako sees her as a human being. Um, and you know what? I see her as a monster, too. So I, yeah, I, I hard get to, it. Yeah. That's, yeah. I I think you're right. I do think that this is a, Ochako trying to humanize and relate in a way that says, no one's ever seen you as anything other than a monster, and I do, and I get that. This is, it's just not... It isn't quite executed well enough to be like to land, right? Like I, I see what Hori was going for, which I think you said this earlier. Like I see what he's going for. He just doesn't quite pull it off well enough. Just be, we're the for, adults, bro. Like <laughs> the adults. Who knows? That's well. I'll tell you where also, the adults are. Okay, hold on. Let me give you a hypothetical, and you you can tell me if this would make the chapter better for you. Um, let's say right after this chapter. Uh, Deku's like, oh, how did you how did you beat Toga, Ochako? And she's just like, oh, it's just uh, classic emotional manipulation, Deku. <laughs> I, I knew she had some insecurities here, and I just manipulated her into thinking she was a normal person. Uh, if she said something like that, <laughs> because we don't know she could. Who knows? Twist uh, of the goddamn would you, century? Would you, would you respect it, this writing, though? I, if she came respect out as an emotional not. I, manipulator? I, it, would be, it would be an incredibly fun thing to talk about. I think it would explode the social media sphere if it was suddenly like, oh my God, Ochako is demented and emotionally manipulative. And, you know, uh, I think that would be funny. I, no way that happens. This is, it's too classic. No, no way it happens. No way it happens. Yeah. Uh, But for all we know, Ochako could be just a great manipulator. (laughs) We don't know anything about her. Yeah, we don't know much. Um, so that's sort of the that's the the bottom of the mountain. Let's rise up a little bit. Let's talk about another superhero manga that we discussed a couple of weeks ago. But I thought this was a good week to bring uh, Vibration Man back into it because we've got two superhero manga here that are both clearly drawing inspirations from a lot of the same places. A lot of Western comics, a lot of like sort of X Men, uh, X Men, Spider Man influence here uh and vibration man has been really good where i think 13 chapters in now um Mm -hmm. 
This is by a uh, mangaka called Toki Iwai. And this chapter, I think, maybe was, like, the best chapter. Like, I think it just keeps getting better. This was my favorite chapter so far. I think it was awesome. Um, and it was all because of creative and intelligent uses of power and how those powers are written. Uh, what did you think? Why did you like it? Yeah, I mean, I also thought it was my favorite, but I liked it for different reasons. I thought this chapter did an incredibly good job of introducing a new character and sort of just developing uh, both these characters who have this this fight on stage. I thought it was just excellent at... Uh, it was just excellent at setting them up and showing me who they are, even though we've only seen this ice girl. I, she's had maybe five lines total, five or ten lines in a couple yeah. of the previous chapters. Not not a character we know anything about other than her, her power is ice. Um, and even the guy that she's fighting, it sets up like history between them. It sets up that she kind of has like a crush on him. Um, it sets up their... Uh, I think she has a crush on everyone actually, uh, because she, she also drooled over uh, Vibration Man last last chapter. That's right, uh, yeah, yeah. She may just be one of those, like, love-struck uh, whatever type characters, but yeah, I mean, I, we see, like, a flashback of her growing up and them kind of knowing each other and stuff, but yeah, I also agree that the the action here was also really cool. Um, the, the dude has, like, a turn-off gravity for himself power, and he essentially uses it to do... Uh, Half-Life 2 speedrunning strats where he yeah. like jumps off, like he jumps and turns off gravity and then jumps again. And because he hasn't reactivated gravity, he speeds up even more. This is literally uh, Half-Life 2 speedruns or maybe the source engine in general has a thing where you where jumping preserves your momentum. And so if you're jumping all the time, you keep gaining momentum and going faster and faster. Bunny That's hops. what this guy does. Yeah. Yeah. Bunny hops. Um, I thought that was really cool. Because, you know, you think, again, he has a very similar power to Uraraka, to Ochako, from My Hero, and I think he's already used it in two chapters. This guy's been around for two and a half chapters, maybe this fight has been. Um, already more interesting uses than Ochako's done, right? Like, the most interesting thing she ever did was in her fight versus Bakugo, where she sort of, like, made all the pebbles and dust and stuff, uh, zero gravity, cool. yeah. and dropped them. She hasn't done anything that cool since. Um so yeah, yeah, the powers this, are cool. This, this is like more creative because I feel like um, the author has drawbacks to all the powers, and mm -hmm. they don't like the power scaling doesn't feel as Dragon Ball Z -E as My Hero Academia, where people can just do shit without without kind of any kind of consequence. Uh, yeah. Like th this is all like low grade street level fight type of powers, you know? Yeah, um, well, and we've talked about this before when talking about powers and shonen power-ups and the sort of kiss curse or uh sacrificing or giving a payment or not just having a a power that is usable anytime that has no drawbacks that's wholly uninteresting right this is why people don't <clears throat> don't like superman sometimes um this is why people like me think that you know dragon ball z goku it's like is that an interesting character not really they just kind of power up as much as they need to um I always like to point out uh, <clears throat> Darker Than Black is one of my favorite power systems where you have stuff like a guy who has to like drink a soda every time he uses his power or a woman who has to like uh, smoke a cigarette or one girl has to what, like drink a kid's blood or something? Like yeah, all child these, blood. 
yeah, and, all these like, really she sort dies of like from diseases from that or something. Exactly. But yeah, her, all these really interesting like a, drawbacks. Was awesome. It was like a vacuum power. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, and Doctor Black does a really cool thing where the main character doesn't have drawbacks, and that kind of makes him interesting. Uh, even even though he just said not having a drawback isn't cool, it it, it is in that world because the. Um, payments that the people are giving for their power are so interesting that not having one is also kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, and the reason for it is interesting. There's like kind of a mystery behind that. Um, yeah, either way, uh, I, I, I feel like I liked my hero academia, uh, for a, like a lot of the beginning of its run, because I thought when Deku had limitations on his powers, where he broke his limbs and fingers and all that shit, it made it more interesting and it made the fights more tense for uh, sure. Yeah. 100% agree it, with you there. I, I think you can, we can safely say that one of one of the best fights is Todoroki versus Deku in like the school tournament. And Deku was breaking his fucking fingers repeatedly, like yeah. uh, the, just over the course of that fight, which just added to the stakes and tension. Now he kind of just Spider-Man punches his way, webs his way through every fucking problem. Yeah, he, he has hasn't, nine powers. I don't think he's broken, like, a limb with the punch in a long time. Or maybe he, if he did, it was very sort of like, oh, and he's in the hospital and he's healed next and it's over. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. I think that, I think that in general, My Hero Academia is, is a pretty good, like, pretty solid good shonen early on. Like, the first 100, 150 chapters are pretty decent to good. Like, I... Didn't really have any problems with it. I think that where it's gone, I think especially with Deku, like you mentioned, is because Deku's power, again, was interesting when he had a price to pay for it, when his body couldn't handle it. Um, was interesting when he was developing how to use that power to get faster and, you know, do all these cool things and, and learning and powering up by training under people. And then suddenly it's just like, oh, by the way, he has 13 powers and he just uses them and we're going to time skip any training and he just uses them all now. It... It's, I think I, I think, think Corey's burnt out. I think I think that's why that happened. Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's a whole nother discussion, but for sure, I think that if you separate My Hero Academia into sort of like the first part, which is good, and then everything that leads up to Deku getting unlocking way more powers than any single person in that universe should have, and then everything since then, easily the time since Deku has gotten Black Whip and Hover and all those things to now is substantially worse than the rest of the story, I would say. I I would completely agree. I think a lot of people would, to be honest, but I, I, I yeah. agree with you there. And um, I, I think, it, uh, think about this, right? Like, in my eyes, the story's writing, uh, it indicated, of course, at the beginning, how he became, how Deku became the greatest hero in the world. So it's like, a, a, mm. a, a, he, he's like the narrator. But um, I imagined that, since his character was very much a thinker, a planner, uh, he had that notebook where he nerded out about heroes, took notes about everyone. Uh, I thought it would be him surpassing All Might, not through brute strength, but using the brute strength in strategic ways as to not break his mm -hmm. body, uh, but also like uh, like kind of outwitting opponents. And he did that a lot over the course of the beginning of the series while he was controlling yeah. his powers. Uh, and then he stopped because he didn't need to think anymore. And then he, he just started just punching people to death. Yeah. Like <laughs> the problem is that that also gets rid of the character trait where he he's like a nerd about superheroes and he's like mm -hmm. thinking through every problem like that just disappears completely as the series goes on because it's not needed. He doesn't need to think anymore. He just does shit. Yeah, it's a total it's a you're right. It's a very good character thing where he has those little notebooks where he has notes on all the bad guys and all the good guys and he knows how to 
beat him and take advantage of him. And that goes out the window like pretty quick. And that's it's kind of lame that it does. Because, yeah, you're right. It's It would be much more interesting. It's much more interesting to have a character like uh, – I'm trying to think. I, I don't want to use Superman, but let's just say like Superman versus someone like Bane, right? They're – main power, quote-unquote, is that they are incredibly strong, right, or incredibly durable. Um, but the reason Bane is an interesting bad guy for Batman is that Bane is also, like, a incredible strategist and a super thinker. And he's sort of made to be the, like, toe-to-toe or better than Batman. He's sort of like, I'm better than you physically, and I'm on the same level as you strategically, mentally. Um, and that, that makes Bane a cool bad guy. Um, if only it weren't for my crippling drug addiction... I'd right. Well, and that's sort of the yes, and and then again, that's no, sort that's of also a, it's a drawback. I mean, but again, yeah, but I mean, for sure, but it's a good example, right? Of that, yeah. It's a drawback to his power that in order to be that strong or stronger, he has to take these drugs, which he's addicted to, or which ruin his body, or whatever. So, yeah. Um, but getting back to Vibration Man, I mean, it's it's interesting that you talk about strategy and stuff because I thought it was really cool in this chapter, the scenes in the panels of people watching this fight and discussing how neither of them, uh, the ice or the levitation person, are, like, making a move. They're both kind of waiting for the other to make a move, and it compares it to um, chess, and that the first person to make a move then then lets the other person react to it with a, sort of, like, a perfect counter. Um, very much a, uh, like... Play who's going to play the first counter in Magic or something, right? Like if you play a card, right. they're going to counter it, then you counter. But playing the first card means that you lose. So I thought that was interesting. And also just showed like, hey, these people aren't just dumb idiots using their power. They both sort of understand uh, the strategy behind it. And they're, they're thinking people. They aren't dumb. So I, I thought that was really cool in this chapter also. I, I also thought like um, <clears throat> the guy who lost, right, the, the gravity guy. Uh, he tries to stab the ice girl and the ice girl hardens, uh, well, her, her trade off. She can freeze any, any water. Any, she can't generate her own, but she right. can freeze any water, but she can only freeze one source of water at, at a time. She has to unfreeze it before refreezing other sources. Uh, I like that she uses the water bottle as a distraction, um, and freezes the back of her neck where he would try to attack her. Uh, but I, I what I liked even more is that like, the dude who who is like trying to speed blitz bunny hop her and and take her out that way that's kind of a logical decision he knew it was a bad matchup so he tried to speed blitz her who wouldn't mm-hmm. that's I, yeah. I don't know i thought i thought all of it just worked as i mean it's a smart well put together fight with interesting powers that have drawbacks and and limits and yeah i mean this is i would say I don't necessarily think this is better than the start of My Hero Academia, but it's setting itself up potentially to like really, really land, uh, just really just keep going and be better. Like I, I do think this is planting the seeds of design and character development and the way the powers have worked so far to be, to just, I already think it has laid the groundwork to be better than My Hero Academia, I would say. I agree. Um, I would say it's it's my hero academia was better at the start than this, but I personally like this better. Yeah. Then like I think from an outsider's perspective, my hero probably had a stronger start, but this is very good and I personally like it better because I find the characters all to be likable so far. Yeah, and I also like that it's getting better. Um cuz I remember you and I read chapter 1 of this and we were both like, nope, not reading that. That's not any good. 
Um, and then I went back and I read, what was it, like chapters two through five or something or two through seven, like told you like, hey, go read this. It's actually pretty good. Um, and chapter two was good. And it, the fight after that was – and yeah, it just keeps getting better. So uh, I I like an upward tra- trajectory story like this, uh, though they have a harder time sticking around. I, I hope that this sticks around because I think that – and if, if this can get far enough to get an anime, people, you know, once my hero's over or something, this could easily, I think, move into main jump and be like a, a successful staple. I think this is good enough to be in main jump since this is a jump plus title right now. Uh, I think so, too. I think it's great. Um, I got to say, I wonder if <clears throat> I wonder if the main character is likable for other people. I like the main character and you like the main character. But I wonder if this like kind of blockhead, loud, obnoxious idiot um, rubs people the wrong way. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's also weird because, again, like, in chapter one, he didn't really work for me, and then in chapter two and three, he worked a little bit better, and then he kind of keeps keeps getting better and better, so it's... I like that he's competent. You know, he's he's an idiot, and he's loud, but mm-hmm. he is, like, he, he does have good battle instincts and he's a competent fighter, you know? And yeah. Well, I would even say more than, more than being competent. It's more that he's proactive enough to sort of like know that he's behind and his power maybe sucks. And so he has to put in a lot of effort to like train his body. I mean, we talked about the basketball chapter where it's like he scores once and that's it, but he scores on all these superpowered people using essentially with no powers, just, you know, his, the physical training that he's, uh, been proactive to put himself through. So I think that's actually why I like him even more. But yeah, I mean, I... And I did, I like that about Deku at the start too. Um, mm-hmm, that's true. But, uh, but oh yeah, you guys should let us know what you think, honestly, because I'm, I'm kind of curious. Uh, how do you feel like My Hero Academia is going? It, it can't just be us that thinks it's like really bad right now, right? Yeah, I, for I, sure. I think I... it's a common consensus, but uh, let us know what you think. Uh, also, do you like the Vibration Man main character? Yeah, leave a comment while you're on the way down there. Like and subscribe. Um, cool. Let's, anything else on these two, we've sort of compared and contrasted and given our thoughts. Anything else on the superhero duo here of Vibration Man and My Hero Academia? Uh, yeah, I'd like to give a shout out to My Hero Academia spinoff series, Vigilantes, once more. It's over yep. and it's 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 better than both of these, honestly. Just go read that if, if you're planning on it's something. It's very good, yeah. Cool. Uh, let's talk about a new series, which is this very interesting sort of post-apocalyptic thing. This is called Wild Strawberry. This is by a mangaka named Ire Yonemoto. Um, we got chapter one and chapter two. I just grabbed some picks from chapter one, so we can just sort of talk about um, chapter two a little bit. I don't think it introduced any much new stuff. It just kind of continued it. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said at the start, this is kind of a... There's a there's a lot of Chainsaw Man blood in this. There's a lot of Tokyo Ghoul, um, and then it's but it's plants. It's kind of those two things mashed together. But instead of zombies or demons or devils, it's a bad kind of parasitic plant thing. Um, so tell me, Gautam, uh, what did you think about Chapter One and Two of Wild Strawberry? Sure, and I'll, I'll give like just a quick synopsis um, without covering the chapter or anything. Basically, this is uh, The Last of Us. It's every apocalyptic series. Yeah, very Last uh, of Us, yeah. Where plants have taken over the world, the happening style, and uh, you can get infected by plant, and it'll turn you into a plant monster. It's uh, it's it's spooky scary. Uh, our main character 
lives with his sister, who has been plantified, but is a peaceful plant. Um, and the sister is just like a host to this plant parasite. Uh, so he's hiding her away. Uh, and that that's basically the onus of the first chapter here. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was great. I thought, well, okay, great strong. I thought it was good. Uh, I think I have issues with where the first chapter ended and the direction the series is going in. Uh, and I don't think they reflect poorly on the first chapter or the second chapter. I just worry that it'll turn into a battle shonen. Whereas I think this is much better as kind of a, a drama, you know? Yeah, I do wonder. I'm I'm of the same opinion. I thought it was good. I think the idea, I think the sort of post-apocalyptic plant uh, society, like you said, um, what should we call it? Last of Us. That it's it's a good, cool, neat new idea. It's kind of a new angle on something we've seen before. I think it's doing a lot of the heavy lifting because I didn't. My big thing with the first chapter, um, we can go through kind of what happens in the first chapter. You meet this guy. He's kind of just like a, he's poor. He's a deadbeat, whatever. Um, he is taking care of his sister, who's not actually a sister. They were adopted together. Um, previously, they were adopted by two people who were hosts to some evil plants that attacked them. Um, and when that happened, his sister, who is like we mentioned is, is host to one of these plants. Um, his sister saves him. Uh, they move out, they grow up. Eventually something happens and the sort of police fire force, they're called, I don't remember. I think fire. they're called flower force. So I think you're really close. I think they're called flower, flower fire force. fighting force, something like that. Yeah. yeah. They find, they find her, he runs off. He's very sort of like em emotional of like, oh my gosh, don't kill my sister. He does everything for her. His one kind of definitive trait in this chapter one is that like, he really loves his sister and he's really trying to do, you know, all this hard work <clears throat> to, um, like have her have a better life. And he's like, I'm going to take you to a family restaurant and that's my end goal. Um, again, and then this sort of, um, the sort of firefighter guys show up. It's this, this part reminded me very much of very like a Fahrenheit 451 kind of where it's like, you know, the main character, guys who burn stuff show up at her house at his house and they're going to burn the stuff that he loves and maybe his family. Um, yeah. And then they, they burn her. He tries to stop them. He like threatens one of the guys with a flamethrower and this other dude just pulls out a pistol and like shoots him dead and then like fucking executes him in the head, which I thought Double this is the part. Yeah. Yeah. This is the part that I actually thought was really good. I like this when it goes more uh, like brutal and gory. I, and I think it hopefully keeps up that uh, kind of edge. That's the part that kind of reminds me of Tokyo Ghoul, where it's like, is it just kind of a typical shonen story? Yeah, but then sometimes it goes like, oh, but you know, it's but it's very brutal, very gory. Um, I also think the art is is quite good, uh, just like Tokyo yeah. Ghoul uh, mm -hmm. later on. Um, yeah, the art is a real winner here. Yeah, art's a real winner. I will say, I'll mention something in a little bit, but. Um, yeah, it has these color spreads that everyone's kind of talking about. Uh, but basically, it, by the very end of the story, the his sister has sort of like not killed any of the fire force, but uh, incapacitated all of them and then gone inside him to like make his heart beat again and save his body and brought him back to life. Which, again, that's another sort of Tokyo Ghoul parallel where it's like he died, but there's a other thing inside that makes him alive again. 
Um, also, also very kind of Chainsaw Man of you know, Denji dies in chapter one, but Pochita replaces his heart. Again, this this guy dies at the end of this, and his sister plant thing replaces his heart. So, yeah, it's. I will say that I have a bit of an issue with these color spreads. I know everyone is like, "Oh my gosh, these color spreads are so good." I can I can I call why? Can I can I say you why can you guess do? why? Yeah, I think you. Probably okay, do. okay, yeah. Uh, it's it's because they use actual pictures and they yeah. just they don't they don't draw the flowers into color spreads. Yeah, that's I. You've called it. Um, generally, I don't. I'm okay with using photographs and converting them into backgrounds in manga. I think that's an incredibly smart, effective tool. A lot of my favorite artists do that. Uh, Inio Asano does that. Urasawa does that. Um, Murata does that. Yeah, Murata does that. A a lot of artists use uh, converted photographs as backgrounds. I think using, you know, Photoshop dropped pictures just in as like a main foreground thing I don't like that. I don't think that's good. And this picture you're looking at now, if you see it, it's one of the color spreads when the sister blooms near the end of chapter one. Um, The girl is drawn, and I think every other element on screen is like a copy-pasted. Some of the branches might also be drawn, but all these flowers are like copy-pasted. And it also bothers me that they they aren't even copy-pasted that well, some of them. Um, they have like yeah, different like, resolutions. The bottom one is low res. Yeah, yeah, they have like different resolutions. Like this big yellow flower is like super low res, and then these purple ones on the right side are like a little bit higher res. So it just doesn't. Yeah, I don't like this. Everyone's like, "Oh, the color spreads are so beautiful," and it's like, "Yeah, but I don't love this." I also think that it it lacks a little bit of. Um, how do I say it? There's a little bit of composition. I won't say errors. I'll just say it lacks a little bit of color composition, right? Um, if this artist was doing all of this by hand, right, he would have to choose what color these flowers are, what color you know her skin is, the back background, all this stuff. I think in copy pasting all of these and keeping their original colors, it comes across a little scattered and unfocused, and they're in it lacks cohesion, right? Um, normally you would think, oh, she's blooming and there's all these different flowers. You would need to tie them together with like similar colors of, uh, like, you know, like all the vines or roots would need to be all the same colors, but we don't see that, right? We see these kind of, a bunch of these plants are like have orangish roots while their parts behind are green. There's dark green leaves. There's light green leaves. There's different shaped leaves. There's just no cohesion to it really. Um, it's kind of nitpicking because again, it's, I like the fact that it's like, oh, a cool color spread happens once a chapter, and it's a kind of a big event. I like that. Um, it's interesting. I, I think it could yeah. be executed better. I don't, I don't like copy-pasting Google images, essentially. It needs uh, well, I, more I work. With you. Um, I, I, I think it – well, I think we're both nitpicking, yes. But I also think that the author does a great job of drawing flowers without these pictures. So. Yeah, for sure. Like, where's... Um, yeah, like, these... Yeah. That looks great. This looks much better. And I and even though I do think in the top left here, I do think those flowers are uh, drag-and-drop converted, I think the fact that it's in black and white does a lot for the composition, right? Because you're not getting confusing colors, you're not getting mismatched... Uh, the sort of vines or stem growths aren't all mismatched colors, the different leaves don't 
don't shine. Actually, I think the leaves are probably hand drawn or, or pasted on. They're, they're much more consistent in this panel. Um, yeah, it's honestly the color page, I think just really needs like a, it needs like better shading or something. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not like a pro Photoshop guy, but when I go into Photoshop, a lot of it is like, which layers on top is that layer casting a shadow? Um, what I'm looking at here, the, none of the flowers or plants are casting any amount of shadow. Uh, the character that's drawn has some shading on her, but it not really from anything. I think a little bit of shading here actually could maybe go a long way. So, uh, yeah, I, I I agree. I think it's just supposed to be kind of impactful more than anything. But mm -hmm. I I think it looks worse than the rest of the chapter, which looked really good. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, I agree. Color pages kind of unnecessary here. Yeah. Uh, so we'll definitely be keeping an eye on on this series because it's definitely not bad. I mean, it's it's not. I don't think it's the the best new chapter we've gotten. But yeah, Wild Strawberry. Keep an eye on that. Uh, did you read chapter two of this? I did. Did um, chapter two change your mind or introduce anything new that you wanted to talk about? I did want to cover uh, my one worry about this series is I thought chapter one and two were both good. Um, and uh, I think my worry here is that at the end of chapter one, uh, the sister's parasite or the sister, who knows, uh, saves the brother uh, after he got fatally shot in the head um, by being a parasite in him now. So like it, it made his heart start beating again and kind of took over his body, but not really take over. It just kind of resurrected him and now it lives inside of him. Yeah. Not controlling and, him, just helping him. Yeah. And I, I think it's kind of going for the manga is going for a parasite angle here. Uh, and I guess you're talking parasite, like parasite, the series, which is also yeah. an anime parasite. The maxim, I think is what it's called that, that parasite, not the real parasite with a Y, I guess, which I, I agree. Yeah. I think it's it also very influential here. And I, I, I kind of worry that this is going to turn into like some battle shonen where he's the savior of humanity where, and they explicitly said that he could be the savior of humanity uh, in chapter two. And yeah. I worry about that route. I would rather it be a drama with a brother and a sister um, kind of in this dark setting where they have to be on the run or, you know, or I, I prefer the drama and the, tension of constantly being on the run and the relationship dynamic between the two more than uh okay now i have plant powers but i'm the only one who has good plant powers so i can fight all the bad yeah. plants kind of angle I, that they seem to be going for yeah i i agree i and i'm kind of afraid for that too because i i like you i think i'm sort of seeing the seeds being planted <laughs> uh, the seeds being planted in the story here of this being more of a typical kind of battle shonen thing. That's that's what lost me on Tokyo Ghoul, which I read, I don't know, 25, maybe 30 chapters of, was, oh, it seems really interesting that this is this guy and he's, you know, possessed by this thing and what's the dynamic and he has to live in this other world. Um, and here it seems like that, yeah, it seems like, uh, I, I guess was I will Kinect say this. possessed? It's been a while. I don't remember. Uh, he, he, what is it? He... The Doesn't girl's he just turn into a ghoul? He turns into a ghoul because the girl's blood goes inside him when, like, a building falls on him. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it isn't really a possession, but it kind of is because he can, like, suppress it and unleash it and stuff. I don't know. But I the, the thing that will make me check out of this faster than anything is if they suddenly introduce, like, oh, 
it's the council of other people that are possessed just like the main character is, and they are now chasing you or recruiting you, or there's two sides, and there's a bunch of these people. Because that just feels very typical shonen to me. Um, I'm glad that you called out Parasite. The So not the... What is it? The Unjung-ho? Huh? I can't remember. The Not the Korean director's Parasite. This is the Japanese manga anime. With Miki. Miki, the possessed hand. Right, Parasite. yeah. The possessed yeah. hand. I'm going to find the author of that real quick. Um, I'm glad you called that out, though, because... Uh, because I uh, that, to me, is one of... I actually really, really liked that anime, and I thought it was really interesting, and that... Yeah, that great. did not hold back in how kind of nihilistic it was with its outlook on being possessed by an alien. Um, minor spoilers for Parasite. You should definitely go check it out. But it is not, it kind of feels like it's a very shonen early on of like, oh, he's got a parasite hand and he uses it to fight other you know, alien invaders. And then by the end, it's like, the dude is not the same. I've, I will say that I have very rarely, maybe never, seen character development in the same direction that the main character of Parasite goes. Um, he does not end up as he does not end up an improved person. He ends up sort of a shell of his former self, and the possession is not good for him. Even though he did sort of save people and do some heroic things along the way, um, and I think that's really interesting. So I would that much rather just dis- the manga. Uh, the manga, he is well. I mean, like they do go the route where he's like kind of emotionally dead as a human, but they they yeah they, they like make him a, have a character arc to being a good uh, guy okay. or something. Yeah, I, uh, I should go read it because I just seen the the anime. But yeah, I, I do think that that would be a more interesting path to take here. Uh, also, it is a less likely path. I definitely think this is more likely that the after chapter two he will run away. He will find a group of either a group of people who support that he is this special thing, or he will find more of these special possessed hosts like he is. Um, I would guess by the end of chapter seven or eight, we have met at least one more host and more likely something like five or six. What do you think? Can I give you a, a I, 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 the cynical part of me thinks that there's definitely going to be a, a council of flower people. I, uh, I am th- thinking a, the same thing. I for sure think yeah. there's going to be some kind of, Either the Council of Flower People run the world or, you know, are some big secret government agency or something like that. Yeah. You know what I bet? I bet the flowers possess like a part of their body and they use them to fight that way uh, Ooh, instead yeah. of. That would be interesting. That would be cool. That would be cool. Uh, and then he's got his heart possessed. Which that is, idea. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, anything else on. Oh, Parasite is by Hitoshi Iwaki. So that, that's uh, the author there. Um, anything else on Wild Strawberry here? Nah, I think we we covered the first two pretty well. Cool, yeah. Good little series, not too bad. Uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with some more manga news and what we've been reading and doing this week. Giddy up. Welcome back. Let's talk a little bit of manga news here. Cowboy Bebop director Shinichiro Watanabe is working on a new anime series titled Lazarus with the director of the John Wick franchise, Chad Stahelski, with Studio Mappa. Uh, anime at the top of the hour. That sounds interesting to me. I'm, I mean, have you Cowboy read the Bebop? description on that? What's that? Have you, uh, have you read the description on, on what it's about? I guess I didn't get the description. No. Is, is there one listed? Uh, yeah, I, I'll just give you like a quick summary. Um, yeah, basically, what 
a, a famous uh, doctor who won the Nobel Peace Prize or Pulitzer Prize or something like that um, invents a cure-all kind of medicine, and it has no side effects, and the world starts using it thoroughly, and he disappears off the face of the earth, and he comes back with an ominous warning, uh, uh, stating that actually everyone who uses medicine will probably die in three years, because I forgot about this one flaw. So uh, they put together a crack team of individuals to go find the dude and make a vaccine that cures the human race. Uh, Interesting. That's what it's about. That sounds very. Um, that sounds very like much like it could exist in the sort of cowboy bebop world. Um, oh, see, oh. I'm a genius. I developed an invincible oh, no. Lazarus thing and comes back three years later. Oh no. <laughs> I, I um, love that one. It's like such a good meme. What is it from Gundam? It's probably from Gundam, yeah. It probably I looks like so. it's Gundam, yeah. It's like Gundam <laughs> or Cross or one of those. Anyways, yeah. That sounds interesting. Uh, Shinichiro Watanabe is a pretty consistently excellent uh, director, showrunner, you could say. I mean, I uh, almost everything he's done, I think, has been, has been pretty good. So, uh, And Studio Mappa whatever they do everything now it's hard to have an opinion on them when they make so many things i think they're a pretty good studio generally but yeah it depends on how stretched thin they are for the project i guess yeah pretty much it's like well you know do you get everybody on board for it i feel like for 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 watanabe uh they'll probably have all hands on deck for that that seems like a slam dunk so i imagine yeah cool uh, next up we have insomniac's after school manga which we talked about on this in this podcast and we like it a lot that's going to end in two chapters i actually think is actually one more chapter because i think that one of the two chapters released yesterday so oh uh that is a bit of a surprising end in my opinion for where we are in that story but it is it did feel like we were heading towards an ending i just didn't think it was going to be this fast but yeah so we'll uh maybe next week we'll talk about that if the end comes before uh we record the podcast we should we'll probably end up talking about that next week yeah, that sounds good. And uh, yeah, the authors is known for their and life goes on kind of a uh, kind of endings, you know. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yep. So Just we'll, we'll see how it plays open. out. Cool. Uh, the author of Tank Chair, which we haven't talked about in a while, because I think the fan translators stopped translating it. Um, but mm, I someone yeah. just picked it back up because a chapter dropped maybe a couple days ago. Um, Tank Chair author Manabu Yashiro teases that Tank Chair might be getting an English release. Uh, just a tweet. Making news out of tweet. It's the YouTube way. He essentially just said someone uh, was calling for like, oh my gosh, we need a translation of Tank Chair. So when you translate this? And he tweeted, you know, like, keep an eye out for it. It, it is coming in English eventually. So I don't know if that means Neat. he's in talks to bring it or if he just assumes he will <laughs> be grabbed by somebody. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Tank Chair is really cool. I I would like to read more of it, so... Tincture is the manga equivalent of Rule of Cool. Um, I, yeah. I think the last chapter that got translated was uh, one of one dude wrote a heat-seeking missile to his destination, like right on top of it. Yeah, uh, I think the last it, chapter it I saw. I think the last chapter I saw was like mind-controlled dinosaurs fight tank chair. <laughs> like I, <laughs> it's literally shit like that. It's wild. Uh, art style reminds me of Dora Hidoro. If you're if you're into that, um, oh yeah, 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 it really does. Yeah, 
So another anime thing here, we have a Spider-Man anime adaptation by Polygon Pictures has been announced. The title is Spider-Man Freshman Year. Uh, more details to come. So Polygon Pictures is the group who does 3D anime stuff. They did the Godzilla uh, things. Let me go look them up real quick. Because their body of work is... Uh, let me see stuff you might recognize. Knights of Sidonia. Uh, they did Ajin, right? Which is a cool manga that most people did not like the style of the anime. Um, yeah, Godzilla, Planet of Monsters, City on the Edge of Battle, Planet Eater. Those are like three Netflix movies that dropped. Uh, Knights of Sidonia. And then, yeah, so this Knights is going to be... Knights of Sidonia suck. Complete ass garbage show. I heard, I heard bad stuff about that. Um, so Fight yeah, me in the comments, a... Knights of Sidonia fans. <laughs> Yeah, hit us up. Let us know how you feel about Knights of Sidonia. Um, you nerds. And if you think it sucks, subscribe. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, kind of up in the air on this one. It, it is interesting. I think the interesting part of this is that we are seeing more and more collaboration and cooperation between the West and Japan on manga and comic. I mean, this is like we're getting... Uh, Suicide Squad Isekai, we have Octopus that Girl being cool. published right now. We got Spider-Man Red two or three years ago. Uh, the Deadpool, what was the Deadpool one called? Uh, Deadpool Samurai. Samurai, yeah, Deadpool Samurai. We got we got Batman Samurai, is that what that movie was called? That was five or six years ago. Um, I, so, and here's another thing, right? We've got another anime coming in. Um, I think Western comic publishers are feeling the pressure of manga. Manga is continually more and more popular. I believe that the top-selling... I saw a tweet, I don't think I saved it, but I saw a tweet that was like the top-selling graphic novels for the month of June or May, and it, it, it used a pretty broad graphic novel definition. It was something like, of the top 20, like 18, like 17 or 18 of them were like manga volumes, and then it was like some image comic thing and something else, right? So it's like... yeah. I think Western comics are realizing now it's like, Hey, there, there's something to this manga stuff. Now we'll see if they get on the, uh, if they really learn their lesson and realize that people want completed stories with beginnings and ends and full character arcs instead of this sort of continual crossover bullshit that they do. But, uh, yeah, I just, I think more collaboration here is cool and good. It'll introduce more and more people to, to anime, to manga, to comics in general, so I'm, I'm all for that. I do think more and more people in the West are going to... Manga's on the rise, comic books are not on the rise. I don't know if they're flat or falling, but there's going to be pushback of that from comic fans who think that their art is better than manga art or, or anime or whatever it is. Uh, Man, that is such sour grapes. I, I, yeah. I think comic books are great. It, it is literally what you said that I, I, I had the issue with, with comic yeah. books. It's like, there's no starting point, you know, and it's not a continuous yeah. story. It's like, and there's too many crossover a, events yeah. and it's hard to keep track of a story when I have to buy. Yeah. They, they aren't published frequently enough, right? Most comics are not, most comics are not weekly. Whereas in Japan, most are weekly. Most are monthly or biweekly. It's yeah. I mean, I, we'll see. I, I, there will definitely, I think as manga gets more popular, there will be more sour grapes on the table. Um, <clears throat> you're going to see pushback from the West, I think you're going to see a little bit of pushback in fans from the West. I hope that the companies, Marvel and DC and everyone, I hope that they more just embrace uh, that all comics are the same. You know, all comics are manga, all manga are comics, whatever you want to say. Bring us together, do that kind of thing. But uh, we'll I, I have to see. Need to, 
just look at Invincible. Look at what makes that popular, right? Like, yeah, for sure. We we don't have to question an entry point to read Invincible. We know it's a continuous story, and that's a great comic. I don't know. And I well, and I think a lot of the more popular comics nowadays are the same kind of thing. Even if they keep going, they have a clear entry starting point. You start reading it; it's good from the start. If I wanted to start reading Batman, you have to know who's writing Batman and when did they start. They started here, and then you have to know did does their stuff. Is it informed by any of the previous works? Okay, do I have to go back and read that? When When's the last time they reset the universe? Like, DC's done that three times in the last 20 years. So, yeah, it's... Is it we'll canonical? See. Yeah. We'll see. Those, those definitely are the issues, I think, that you and I, and I think a lot of people, especially anime and manga readers, have with the Western comic market. Because I mentioned it before, I grew up on Western comics. I love Western comics. I read Batman up until about 2015, 2016, and then I kind of slowly fell off. But um, it was re- generally replaced by manga. I think I started reading manga around 2017. So, Yeah. I, and, you know, it, I, I feel like it. manga is kind of like, it's very similar to books, right? Where it's just a consistent storyline. And I feel yep. like the jumping off point in nerddom from going from like science fiction novels to comics is turning into uh, going from science fiction novels to science fiction manga or like, yeah, maybe sure. not science fiction, but like fantasy. Whatever. I mean, fantasy, you know what I, mean? Sci- I mean, fantasy sci-fi. Yeah. I mean, that's again, also where I come from, right? I grew up on mm-hmm. tons, reading tons of fantasy and sci-fi read tons of fantasy in college and afterwards and yeah you're right the translation even thinking about stuff like we talked about power scaling and power systems like all those kinds of things exist in fantasy and sci-fi books and they're the more familiar i am with that art the easier and better uh, a better reader i am of manga that are also fantasy or sci-fi so right um, cool speaking of fantasy we got a anime trailer for the witch of the beast uh, mm-hmm. this is a series I talked about a couple of months ago. I really, really like this manga series. It's, it's imperfect, but it is so good at what it does. And the world building is so interesting that I really like the witch and the beast. This teaser looks pretty rough. Um, this looks like it's probably underfunded and I don't, I don't think it's going to be quite good enough to grab, uh, grab people. I hope it gets more people buying the manga. Cause I think the manga is really good, but yeah, you uh, go, go check that teaser out. Let us know how you feel about it in the comments. Uh, hey, I, hey, brother. Pretty down on shake, sh- sh- Shake my hand right now. Uh, we're, we're both in the muck. Uh, me after Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer. You after yeah. the Witch and the Beast air. Uh, great manga with disappointing adaptations. Yeah, I mean, they'll always be there. And they'll always be... It's hard. We've, uh, we've talked about this before. That the best manga to adapt are ones where the visuals are not the best part of it, right? Because then you can elevate the visuals. And part of the problem here is that The Witch and the Beast has really good art, really good designs, really interesting character stuff, really good backgrounds. I I think I mentioned um, the backgrounds that that artist draws are not this copy-pasted stuff. They are fully drawing their sort of fantasy special world, and it shows, and it's very cool. Adapting that into motion is more difficult than taking something, you know. It's also, yeah, uh, just, it sucks to see a trailer that doesn't look good. Luckily, we got Pluto. Pluto looks amazing. I'm super hyped for that. That That's does look good. Also. So, the, the trailer was great, yeah. Yeah. So, let's see. One last thing. Uh, finally, we are going to get some official translations of Nisui Isin. 
content over here in the West, a official translation of Katana Gatari, which is a novel, novella? I think it's a novel, um, that he wrote like 10, 15 years ago. It's pretty old at this point. Uh, there's also an anime adaptation of this story, which is very, very good. Uh, kind of hyped to see that brought over, though. I'm interested to see how they get all of the wordplay from Japan that Nisui Isin is kind of well-known and famous for. Uh, because that's that's what I really like about him. That's why, I mean, one of my favorite anime ever is Bakamonogatari, so. Uh, you know, and I, I'm I'm not the Nisoi Isin guy. Uh, I don't have the badge to the fan club like Bruce does, mm-hmm. but I am huge about Katana Katari. Uh, Katana so Katari good. is such a good anime. I love it. Yeah. So this is just hype news all, all together. Yeah, and it, it uh, benefits from bunch of the stuff we were just talking about it is a pretty self-contained short story with a beginning and an end and you read it and it's done and it's good uh bakamonogatari is a little bit more widespread that's something like 40 novels like 30 or 40 novels or like 130 episodes of anime or something like that so a little bit hard to get into that but yeah katanogatari hype for that i think i probably will just buy a copy and try to read it and see what it's like hopefully it's good you should let me know uh i'm, I'm curious also, totally. uh, everyone is listening to this. Uh, go watch that anime. It's, it's just so freaking it's so good, man. Good. Yeah. Katana Guitar, it's very, very good. My favorite is... Also, uh, it's still beautiful. It still yeah. looks, looks amazing. The fight yeah. in the water with the shark and the, the crap. No, yeah. you'll, see, you'll see the preview for it and be like, holy shit. And when the episode actually hits, wild. Amazing. Yeah, go wild. Watch. It's, it's yeah. insane. Get to that amazing episode and yeah, come back. Um, cool. And the, anything else? I, I manga? love this bait and switch for no one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's every, everyone who's seen it. You know, people who haven't seen it. You should go watch it because it really is really good. <laughs> it is. It's great. I, I agree. Cool. Uh, what else are we doing this week? You're playing Mass Effect Two. Tell me about it. I am. Uh, it's a good game. It's a very silly game. Um, and honestly, I'm having a great time. It's a, a space soap opera simulator. Uh, where you get to be friends and bang aliens. Um, I have to say, I, I, I sent Bruce like a, a DM, but this game has questionable like side quests in, in the modern day. Uh, there's this like one planet where he like Shepard has to like help with a slave trade. And I'm like, this, this is so unethical. Like this is like, this is not even a good quest. It's, it's just like they, they paint like, the slaver as sympathetic and the corporate corporation buying the slave as like, Oh, you know, like we're good guys too. And it's like, what are you trying to say here? What is the message here? Bioware? Cause this is insane. Did uh, you tell me that it it's like, if you know. decide, if you decide to like return the slave and help them out, it's like, Oh, you got Paragon points. You got good guy points for that. That was a good guy thing. I did. That was a good guy <laughs> thing is convincing the corporation to buy the slave. Insane. And, and I, I don't want to know what the bad guy thing is because I, I like that was already kind of wild. I mean, usually the bad guy thing is like, oh, you just murdered the person. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, it's, it's just like <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. Either way, there's some buck wild uh, side quests. That's not the only one. There's more. But um, uh, go go replay it if you haven't. It's it's a good game. Um, yeah. Mass Effect 2, I, I think, is my I think Mass Effect 2 is my favorite of the trilogy that I've played. Me too. Yeah, it's the most it's, sort of consistent. One maybe has a little bit better story and stuff, but and three maybe has better combat. Two is like the perfect blend. So you're you're right about both of those, but two is the perfect blend, and the story is the most still pretty good. Yeah, still yeah. really good. Cool. Um, uh, what do you got? What do you got? 
Bruce? What, what I did. So I will mention. I'll mention briefly. Um, I finished Billy Bat by Naoki Kurosawa. Amazing. I'm not going to gush about it. If you want to, if you want to go back, uh, if you go back over the last six months of podcasts, you will find me gushing for multiple hours over several podcasts about Monster and 20th Century Boys and Pluto. Uh, those are other Naoki Kurosawa's work. Billy Bat is just as good. Uh, it might not, I don't think it's his best work. I think it is my favorite. Um, it is, it is a story for artists about artists where all the heroes are artists. And that is cool, I think. Um, so I really liked, I really liked Billy Bat. Um, I okay, think that sounded unfor- like really masturbatory. How, how, how it, it, masturbatory it's not, was it? It kind of is, but it's also, it's, it, it's it, not really, it's okay. Fun. I'm trying to think. It isn't masturbatory. It's just, it's just a. You will enjoy it more. It will speak to you more if you are an artist, especially by the time you get to the end. Um, it's one of those things that I think Naoki Urasawa made. I I don't want to say for himself. He made it maybe it's like more of a passion project um, instead of something where he just wants to tell a good story. It's one of those things that where he said, like, I want to kind of make myself the hero for a bit and make artists the key and talk about how important art is and how influential art and artists are. That's really kind of a, what's at the core of Billy Bat. And so I think that's interesting. The kind of meta... Yeah. The kind and, of meta and the target audience there. is creatives, right? Is, is kind of what yeah, you're getting at. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, not, for not sure. I think, public, yeah. I think if you're if you're an artist, I think especially if you're a visual, like a drawing, painting, any kind like that artist, um, and you read everything that now Hirosawa made, I think for sure Billy Bat's your favorite. Um, I'm a different kind of artist. <laughs> I make podcasts and occasionally YouTube videos. Um, so I understand it. I haven't I haven't drawn in very long. So I, I, I like it the most because it had just some wild, goofy stuff. It feels like the most wild thing he's ever done because it involves so many real-life events and things it starts off with this like murder in Japan, which I think was a real event. And then eventually it starts being about like about the JFK assassination. And then after that, it's like, like nine 11 plays a big part in the story. And it's like all these wild real life events that are sort of tied into this weird cosmic God and all these artists trying to talk to it and deal with it. Um, it's really interesting. I thought that it was, I definitely thought it was better than 20th century boys. Um, just more enjoyable, shorter, an easier read. I still think Monster's probably the best thing. I do like Pluto, but I think Monster's probably just still the best. Um, unfortunately, I think this is the end of my Naoki Urasawa arc because uh, Master Keaton is the other one I wanted to go and read. I don't think there's an English version of that available. I could not find it online. And then his other series, Asadora, which is currently being published, there is not a fan translation that is up to date on that. So I'm not, I would like to get catch up with that, but I can't, it's, it's 10 or 15 chapters behind. So, um, now Kiersaw is on hold for now and I will be consuming other media such as, yeah, that's fair. Mission impossible and dead reckoning. I will say real quick before you go into mission impossible. Um, I think, uh, there is a good chance that uh, the fan translation may pick up after Pluto, on Netflix. Mm, I hope so. I also hope somebody yeah. grabs Master Keaton because uh, I was reading the synopsis for it. It seems seems super cool and interesting. Um, but yeah, so Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. I really think that they should title them with possessive Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible instead of just Mission Impossible. That feels more apt. Um, <laughs> this was okay. 
uh, I don't know. It was fine. It was fun. I, I don't have much to say because it's like the, it's not nearly as good as the last two or three, in my opinion. Um, they're all kind of dumb, stupid fun. There's all they they all have a scene where it's literally just someone explaining to you how the bad technology of the the movie works, and there's a lot of that in this one. There's also just a lot of really bad dialogue, and I also thought that the big stunt that he did was cool and impressive, but not it didn't feel nearly as good as the last couple. It didn't feel nearly as good as climbing the Burj Khalifa or being strapped to a plane or any of that. Um, it was just sort of like I had really liked the last three or four. Uh, the last three or four Mission Impossible movies, and this one was, like, not as good as any of those. Um, I think the last three are a lot better. I think Fallout... Uh, Fallout's probably the best one. That's the one where Superman reloads his arms. That's probably the best Mission Impossible. <laughs> That's, uh, but, yeah, this one was fine. Um, it's whatever. Okay. It, it's, it's set up for another part, huh? Yeah, there'll be a part two. It's uh, Part two, I hope, is better. I think it will be. This one was a lot of, a lot of setup, a lot of introducing people. Uh, also, the bad guy in this one is, like, the, the lamest, most unexplained thing. So this is the, I think, seventh or eighth Mission Impossible movie. It tries to set up a bad guy who Ethan Hunt, the main character, knows from, like, before his time in the, like, Mission Impossible, the, what are they called? The IMF, right? And they do that with, like, shitty flashbacks and it just like doesn't work and I didn't understand it. I was like, man, I don't remember this, but I haven't seen a lot of him in a long time. Maybe he's a guy that we're supposed to know. And I read some comments and discussion on it. No, they just introduced this guy who's supposed to have a history with Ethan out of nowhere. He's easily, the bad guy's easily the worst part of the movie. Um, so is it that dude with the shiv in the bottom left corner? Uh, yeah. The, with the beard and the shiv down here. Yeah. He's fine. I mean, he's a good sort of like intimidating bad guy. It's just the writing is not doing him any services of introduce a random dude from, his past, but, but, uh, Ethan Hunt has been in the IMF for like 30 years at this point, or like what, 25. I think the first mission impossible was like 97 or 98. So yeah. Yeah. I, like you, you think he'd beat up some non spy person pretty easily. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the weird thing is, is that the bad guy does something in the middle of the movie that should easily give Ethan the motivation to hate this dude and make him the bad guy and make him sort of emotionally unstable. Right. Like, and they could have just stuck with that and not given him any history, but yeah, I don't know. It was it was fine. It wasn't a bad movie. It was entertaining. It was a little long. Uh, it does, I will say, it does have probably the best car chase scene, at least since the original Born Identity. It might and it might be even better than that. It's uh, wonderful. Go see it for the car chase scene alone. Cool. Well, anything else before we sign off here? Nah, let's bounce. Let's get out of here. Hey, if you've enjoyed this podcast and want to support us, go give us a like or a follow. Any type of positive reinforcement, go do them. Uh, if you really want to help us out, you can head on over to the Patreon at patreon.com slash WGBmanga, where you can hear some bonus episodes if you give us some money. Uh, and check me out on Twitter at WGBmanga. As always, thank you so much for being with us this week. Please come back next week. See you later. And don't forget to read more manga. Yo, you think Garp is dead?
Nah, no way. Like it, no one, it, no, it, like one, it, no one dies. I think in this one is a piece. red herring. Yeah, I mean, yeah. first of all, no one dies in One Piece in, except for Roger at the start and Ace in the middle, Ace and Whitebeard in the middle. No one dies in One Piece. He's fine. And uh, King Cobra. Uh, oh my god! Yes. I, I just realized King Cobra, King Cobra also <laughs> might not be dead, but he is probably dead. I just realized, like, I know Cobra is a snake, but I just realized King Cobra is like, a specific snake. I you also yeah. just, I also realized that as you were saying. Oh. <laughs> um. Yeah, I I I only think it's a red herring because uh, like everyone with the will of D dies laughing. Um, and I yep. think it's set up as a red herring by Oda because uh, Garp was laughing at the end, and also set up all of his death flags at the beginning. Yeah. Also, like, what what did it say at the end of the chapter? It was like, it didn't say like, Garp dead. Here's his corpse. Like, I'm sorry. Like, in in oh. One Piece and most Western comics and most comics in general, it's like you got to show me a dead body and be and have someone have a doctor check him and be like, this man is dead before I believe that someone is dead <laughs> in One Piece. Or o- Oda also does this thing where if it's like important characters, he titles the chapter "The Death of Forkus Da's" or "Nefertiti yeah. Cobra." Yeah, and he does. Yeah. So I, I'm, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think Garp died. He's not dead. He he might still die. Probably, um, but after he I think he probably yeah, but I think it'll be more. This might, I don't know. This might be what drives Luffy to confront Blackbeard, maybe. Yeah, I also I thought I thought grandpa. I thought what's uh, the pink-haired kid punching Kobe? Kobe, yeah. I thought Kobe doing like hockey-infused punch, like that was cool. That was tight. That was tight. Yeah. And uh, I also love the the callback where it's just like, oh yeah, remember how he told you that these two incredibly powerful people, Garp and Aokiji, punched boats a lot. The kid's been punching boats also for like four years. He's so. he's been punching extra, you know. Yeah. Uh, I also love how fucking cool Garp was. He was a, he blitzed Aokiji and punched an island in the face. <laughs> yeah. That was a I good chapter. That. I'm yeah. I will say the the tease at the end of like, oh, there was another thing that happened on Egghead Island is like the last time we saw Egghead was like almost last year, I think. Like I, I, I think the last time we saw Egghead back. was like we're going January. Back, yeah. yeah. And we're finally we going seen back. Egghead in, in, I think it's been six months. Like, I think it was the end of January or February sometime when we moved away from Egghead and was doing all this other stuff. So, yeah. And damn, I'm not even mad. Like, no, great. it was great stuff. Yeah, I loved it. So let me know when you're ready to continue. It, it is almost done. Cool. But yeah, One Piece is good. Yeah, that, that was a great chapter. They've all been good chapters, though. It's just One Piece. It's just uh, good. Being being fucking awesome all the time, it's it's like it's that and Dandadin are pretty fucking consistent. Yeah, for sure. Okay, and and Akane, those are like and Akane, yeah, Akane's fucking amazing. We should be. We should get a new ranger tomorrow or today. Isn't that usually on like Monday or Tuesday or something? Is it Mondays usually? I don't remember. Yeah, we get one this week earlier. I think it might be earlier in the week. Uh, Maybe he went on break this week. Last step, the last one I have on my little app is chapter 102 six days ago, so I think it's tomorrow we get it. 
Oh, okay. Maybe they're late on translating or something now, but yeah, I think it's tomorrow. I think it's Friday, so we get range and reject. Oh, my timing's off then. Uh, well, I'm good to go. Hold on, let me yeah. let me clap to. Yeah, me too. Okay.